0: Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
1: All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want (laughs) to (laughs) bet? And we are underway.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Joining me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network director of Predictive Analytics. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network. And they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the business in fact it was just recently announced Sean that last year for the 2019 season you had the most accurate season long NFL projection so the player projections that you made before the season for how a whole entire year would unfold those projections that were in last year's fantasy football cheat sheet those were the most accurate season-long projections in the industry Uh, and of course Chris and I had a big hand in helping you sharpen those projections so Chris congratulations to us celebrate to the music
2: celebrate celebrate dance
0: to the music Celebr- am i right <laughs> uh what do you think about the great work that we collectively did last year
2: <laughs> oh man so it's always great to uh to just piggyback off of uh, sean and get get the credit so Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah,
0: Sean, uh, in all seriousness, congratulations on crushing (laughs) last year with your projections, Uh, a massive accomplishment. We've completed our first full round of projections for 2020, and we're going to update those continually. Once again, our projections will power the customizable fantasy football cheat sheet, which will be available soon on the Action Network. Last episode, we previewed our player projections for the AFC, and Sean set some player props for us. Uh, We're going to do the same this episode for the NFC. Sean, from last year to this year, have you made any tweaks in your player projection process?
1: It's interesting because I, didn't, I had no idea that I won this contest. And, you know, a lot of people were asking me since I didn't uh, finish in the top 10 the past couple seasons of the weekly if I was going to change my process. And I said no. Even when I won the, the following year, I would find things that were wrong and uh, tweak a few things. I, I like where my process is at. So, I mean, I'm sticking with it, but it's always evolving. I'm always trying to improve. You know, you might have been joking a little bit, but it it does help, uh, you know, working with uh, people like you that are sharp. And I I think everybody at Action Network, we make each other better. So, I mean, even last episode, I would be projecting Tua for like 12 games started. So you guys kind of helped me uh, lower that to a more reasonable number of, you know, eight or nine. So, you know, I do appreciate these episodes, especially um, where we can kind of uh, fine tune all of our projections. Uh,
0: yeah, and of course, I wasn't joking. Really, uh, <laughs> Chris and I deserve massive credit Absolutely, for, for, for your, for your way. Uh, all right, I'm excited to get into our NFC player projections. A quick reminder that we will soon have two fantasy football episodes per week, most weeks, plus Jason Sobel and Peter Jennings have their PGA Tour betting show every Tuesday. Stucky and Colin will have their college football conference previews coming out soon. We will have episodes on NFL futures and NBA betting. So be sure to keep it locked on the Action Network podcast for the next few months for all of these fantastic episodes. And if you like what you hear, give us that five-star rating, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. And by the way, if you don't know how to leave a review, here's how. If you're listening on an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts, tap the Action Network podcast tile and scroll all the way down the episodes list. At the bottom, you will see ratings and reviews. Also, if anything I just said is incorrect, don't blame me. Don't come at me on Twitter. Blame the producer of this award-winning podcast Matt Mitchell in fact if anything we say in this episode is wrong it's not on us it's on Uncle Mitch okay gentlemen let's get into it and let's start with the NFC East and my Dallas Cowboys the team destined to win the Super Bowl this year for the first time since 2007 former offensive coordinator and then head coach Jason Garrett will have nothing to do whatsoever with the Cowboys offense Mike McCarthy is now the new head coach for the Cowboys. Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator. And the team selected CeeDee Lamb number 17 overall in the 2020 draft. Sean, how do you see things playing out for the Cowboys?
1: Yeah, so the, the player prop that I picked um, that I want you guys to help me sharpen is CeeDee Lamb's receiving yards per game. And, you know, I, I think he's going to fill in the Randall Cobb role right away with room to grow. Um, he, he should be expected to run – you know, at least 80% of routes per uh, pass attempt. So I think he'll have a pretty big roll out of the gate. The question is, you know, how much of the target share will he get as a rookie, especially in off season like this where he won't have much time to really learn the offense or even, you know, the pace of the NFL. Um, so right now I have his receiving yards per game line set at 57.5 yards. So are, are you guys above
2: or below that? I am under. I'm at 40. I'm at 47.5. So I have him. Oh. Uh, for about a 16, 17% target here. But I, that route number is exactly what I have 80%. I uh, have him running 80% of the route. Nice. I am also
0: on the under, but I'm pretty close. I have it at 54.5. And I do believe that he's going to be that locked in third receiver. I actually think he's going to be playing a little more on the outside, whereas Randall Cobb played uh, in the slot. I think Amari Cooper actually might play a little more in the slot. And we see C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup on the outside. But you know, either way, I think he's going to be locked in as that number three receiver, and I'm expecting this offense to be pretty prolific just as it was last year. So uh, I think he's going to be pretty close to that number you set, but just a little bit underneath it.
1: Yeah, it's worth pointing out, Randall Cobb, he averaged 55.2 yards per game last year. So, I mean, if he could just kind of replace that, that's already – um, pretty good. And I, I think they will run more 11 personnel. They they ran out of town last year, but probably less two tight end sets that, you know, Jason Winton's gone. Their tight end depth chart isn't great at all. So, I mean, he could, Ray Bonnet and I are pretty much in a line with about 80% of the routes run, but I mean, he has potential to be on the field over 90% of the time. So I think that's where um, his upside lies. And again, if Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup go down, he could be, you know, wide receiver two during those games. So uh, he he has upside based on, you know, just either one of those receivers
2: um, going down and Dak Prescott you know gives really gives all these receivers a lot of upside because you look at Randall Cobb he posted a career high 15.1 yards per catch in his first year with with Dak Prescott and so our projections are probably the kind of near the median but if Dak Prescott is just hitting crazy passes down the field and, and threading the needle that's how Lamb probably goes over just with big plays.
0: Let's get to Philadelphia and talk about the Eagles. They have maybe the best tight end unit in the league. In fact, I'll say not maybe. They have the best tight end unit in the league, but their top wide receivers are the oft-injured Alshon Jeffery and Deshaun Jackson and then the rookie Jalen Rager. Uh, And, of course, we also might see a big step forward from their second-year running back, Miles Sanders. Sean, what are you giving us for the player prop?
1: Yep, so it's going to be Miles Sanders' prop. Uh, I think he's a huge question mark going in there, not because of his talent, just because of, you know, we can't really trust Doug Peterson ever when it comes to running backs. Um, I actually, during the season, I, I'm like the memento guy. I write notes to myself on my arm, and one of the things I always write down is, don't trust Eagles running backs ever, period. But that might, that might change because we should trust Miles Sanders. It's just, what are they intending to do um, leading up to the season? Right now, if the depth chart holds... I think it's good, but I'm just worried they're going to bring in a guy like Devontae Freeman just to make things messy for us. So right now I have Miles Sanders' total yards per game, so rushing and receiving yards. Um, I have the line set at 96 and a half. take the under here pretty significantly but I should say in my
0: projections I believe I'm probably unreasonably low on Miles Sanders and part of that is because I'm projecting a decent share of workload for Boston Scott Mm. and even for Corey Clement who when he's been in there has actually had more of a workload than I think people probably remember uh and as you say We've just always seen the situation with Doug Peterson's backfield where uh, even if there's been a runner who maybe should have been the clear lead back, it just hasn't worked out that way. So even though there was significant draft capital investment in Miles Sanders last year, and even though, especially in the second half of the season, he just looked like a dynamo. I don't know if he's going to have the chance to be fully unleashed on that backfield. So I'll, I'll take the
2: under here. You love you some some third string running backs that aren't aren't even going to make the team, Matt. <laughs> 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 Why is Corey Clement factoring into your? I, I don't think Corey Clement is. Even, Do you think it's even, Elijah Holyfield Raybon? I think it's going to be a lot of Scott and and Sanders. I think yeah. that the third running back. I agree with you. He might not even be on the team right now. Uh, but as far as the uh, over under, I have it lower as well. I, I'm going to go under. I have it at 87 and a half. Uh, so I have. Um, you know Sanders still being that lead back I do think Boston Scott is going to be involved I don't think like a third back will get too much work because if you remember when uh, what is it Jordan Howard I think came back near the end of last season they still went with Sanders and and Scott I think they want that receiving upside at the running back position to give them to kind of maximize the offense.
1: Yeah I don't feel comfortable having the over on him like I said it's it's really hard to trust them but if it's just Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in a you know running back by committee, I think he'll go over this. I don't think Boston Scott can really handle that many touches, so I, I think Miles Sanders hopefully will be more of a workhorse back than I think we're even thinking right now.
0: I would love to keep on talking about uh, Corey Clement and make a strong case for him, but uh, we will move along to New York, where the Giants. Uh, are going to have quarterback Daniel Jones entering his second season. He flashed a little bit as a rookie. And, of course, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett uh, is joining the team as the play caller. Rayvon, have fun with that with your New York Giants. Sean, give us the player prop.
1: So uh, we're going with uh, Saquon Barkley rushing touchdowns this year. Um, He had a bit of a down year last year. Of course, he was hurt, missed a couple games. Um, He had six touchdowns last year on the ground. One of the big questions with him is his rush attempts inside the five. He's been way below average, um, only scoring on seven of 29 rush attempts. So that's, you know, 27%. League average is around 40 for those. We could just say he's a bad goal back, or that he's going to regress closer to league average, which you would think, you know, uh, running back like him, he would at least be league average in a stat like that. So his rushing touchdown projection for me is a bit tricky. Um, right now I have it at nine and a half. Are you guys going with the over or under there? Over.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, I got under. Oh, nice. Split the action very quickly too. You guys might have Barkley projected for more total touchdowns than me then, because I have him projected for about around eight total touchdowns. And so about five, five ish rushing and three receiving. Um, I'm guessing Friedman and, and you probably too are, are a little over that.
1: Let's okay. see. So I have nine and a half rushing and I think like probably two receiving. Um, so yeah, probably 11 and a half total touchdowns
2: for me. So you think that you think the giants are going to be pretty good on offense?
1: That, uh, I wouldn't say that. Barkley is the offense. I would, I would put it that way.
0: I'm not projecting them to be all that prolific, uh, especially in the, the passing game. I think they're going to play pretty slow, as uh, Jason Garrett's offenses have in the past. I think they're going to rely on the run and funnel a lot through Saquon Barkley. So I think whatever you thought of Ezekiel Elliott for the last four or five years, that's kind of what you're thinking of Saquon Barkley. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking over on the touchdowns. I have it uh, you know, closer to 10, 10 and a half. And uh, Sean, I'm with you there on around two receiving touchdowns. So uh, I do like the over there. And I think Saquon Barkley smashes this here. All right, let's go to Washington where we have Ron Rivera, uh, he's taken over as the head coach, and quarterback Dwayne Haskins is entering his second season uh, and presumably will be locked in as the starter. But uh, as Rayvon and I have uh, debated on the serious XM show, uh, you know, maybe Haskins actually doesn't make it the whole season as the starter. So give him to week uh, five. Week uh, yeah, five. I mean, a yeah. lot of a lot of unknowns there in Washington. Sean, where are you? And
1: uh, give us the player prop here. So you guys might be a little disappointed, but this doesn't involve the running backs. Uh, for the Redskins this involves Terry McLaurin so his receiving yards per game I think this one's tricky because I mean did we see his ceiling last year or does he have room to grow um, how much will Haskins hold him back because I mean he'd probably be a wide receiver uh, you know fringe wide receiver one on any other offense it's just unfortunate he's on this team but right now I have his um, over under for receiving yards per game at 65 and a half
2: we under I have it at about 60 so same general area But yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to really project the Redskins like aggressively just because we, when you have a bad quarterback situation, I think it makes it more likely that you are a little more conservative. Ron Rivera coming over from Carolina, um, you know, if we remember, you know, in Carolina, most of those years, they were not a high volume pass team. They kind of built their offense. And some of that was due to Cam Newton, I think, but um, they were never really just kind of a throw it around the yard type of team. So, um, I'm going to go a little bit conservatively here, but I think the talent is outstanding and, uh, yeah, he's one of the best better, more talented route runners in the league.
0: Uh, probably not a big surprise. Uh, I will take the over. Uh, I think McLaurin will smash. And a lot of that just has to do with the volume I expect him to have. There's no one else in Washington who is really an established receiver, whether you're looking in the backfield, like Chris Thompson is gone, uh, I mean, Steven Sims, are we really going to project him to be the locked in number two wide receiver there Uh, and tight end? I mean, we Logan Thomas really like we have no idea who else is going to be on the field except for Terry McLaurin. And he was so dominant as a rookie. Uh, And he does have that uh, Ohio state uh, shower narrative connection going on with Dwayne Haskins. But I mean, even regardless of of that narrative street, uh, it doesn't even matter. I mean, McLaurin was just so good as a rookie last year, and I think he's locked in for a ton of volume that I'm willing to take the over.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the even the tight end depth chart. It's really ugly. It worries me that defenses, it's going to be very easy for them to stop the Redskins, just stop Terry McLaurin because no one else can kill you. Um, it's, it's a bit concerning, Raybon, if you're that far under his receiving yards. He had 65.4 um, last year, so I'm thinking if he can't even duplicate that, um, he's going to be in trouble because he did score seven touchdowns last year. Um, I think that's definitely due for some regression. I see him scoring closer to five or six. Um, so it's, it's a bit concerning for me um, that they don't have another option um, to kind of distract the defense. I think he'll see a lot of double teams. So it's, it's very tricky for me because I do want to like him. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of with Raybon where it's uh, – I can't really see him improving on last year's uh, yardage numbers, which is definitely scary to me.
2: Yeah, 15.8 yards per catch last year. It's mm. kind of the A.J. Brown conversation where – you don't expect that to increase just because that's uh, kind of above average. And then he averaged about four, 4.1 catches per game. I think that's reasonable. Um, oh, he had some, he posted some good games early in the year with Kate's yeah. Keenum when they threw a lot more. Um, and again, I just, we just, I don't think we can expect them to be that aggressive throwing the ball, given the coaching staff and given the quarterback and receiver yeah. situation.
1: Yeah, there, there were a couple of times where he was wide open and Case Keenum couldn't hit him. And I'm sure Dwayne Haskins will fare no better. So, I mean, it's one of those things. If he had a good quarterback, he'd be much, much better. Let's get to the
0: NFC North and let's start with the Packers here. Uh, after playing in the NFC Championship game, the Packers took quarterback Jordan Love, running back A.J. Dillon, and tight end H-back. Josiah Deguara, with their first three picks, and they failed to get a wide receiver for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Oh, boy. Sean, what is the prop for the Packers?
1: Well, we're going with Aaron Jones total touchdowns because that's, that's the tricky one to project. Um, he had 19 last year, uh, which is pretty good. Um, and right now, I mean, the question is how much will he regress, not if. Um, right now, I have him projected for 10.5. So that's rushing and receiving combined.
2: Gosh, that's a good line because I have him at 10 flat and I know you were trying to get me to take the over because, you know, <laughs> I've been the guy that's bullish on him, but I'm still going over. Touchdowns are a very volatile stat. Um, for me to even have a guy projected for 10 is essentially like you're at the top of the league. So, um, yeah, 10 touchdowns for me for Aaron Jones, uh, about eight rushing and two receiving.
0: I'm with Rayvon here. Uh, big surprise. I'm, although, actually, I'm pretty close. I hate to say I actually also am pretty close just based on the projections to uh, 10 touchdowns for Aaron Jones. But uh, I feel there's significant downside risk that isn't factored into the, the median outcome. Uh, I think there is the pretty strong possibility – that a lot of the work in this backfield ends up getting split uh, between the three backs and that A.J. Dillon ends up being the guy who scores a lot of touchdowns uh, because he's built like a guy who would come in and
2: score a lot of touchdowns, Chris Raybon, No, so, no. The coaching staff is not going to give a rookie who never took an NFL snap the ball at the most important point and part of the game over a guy who tied for the wee greed in touchdowns. That's just silly. That just won't happen. He's a third-string back and will be treated as such. He will not jog on the field and stand next to Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame quarterback, who doesn't – you barely trust his own family, uh, you know, to to, take goal-line handoffs from Aaron Rodgers. It's just not happening.
1: How heavy is A.J. Dillon? What's his weight, like 245, 250? 247. Just give him the ball and say, run straight. And save Aaron Jones for, you know, the other touches. I'm with Freeman. I have Dylan getting three or four touchdowns, which which could impact Aaron Jones. And um, there, there was a stretch, you know, where Devontae Adams was out for four games. Aaron Jones scored seven total touchdowns. With Devontae Adams in the lineup, I mean, that's some significant touchdown competition right there. So... I think that's, that's another subtle thing that could be a, a cue that Aaron Jones is going to have some significant regression. But Rayvon, I'm with you. He's one of my highest touchdown projections. Ten and a half is really high. Um, he's, a guy, he's the kind of guy that can score all over the field. So even A.J. Dillon can't really cut his value that much. But um, I think I'm with Freeman where they drafted A.J. Dillon for a reason. Maybe starting next year he's more prominent in offense. But I could just see them giving
2: A.J. Dillon a few uh, vulture touchdowns. I think it's different with teams who their head coach plays a large part in the draft process. And I don't think Matt LaFleur actually does here in green Bay. So um, that that's kind of why I'm a little, I'm I'm kind of on the other side of this. That's I think Gutenkust and the GM, they run the draft and LaFleur plays the guys. So it's like when Seattle drafted Rashad Penny um, and, and Pete Carroll didn't really want to play him for like a couple of years. Like you could see a situation like that in green Bay. So I don't think it's, I think they drafted him because Aaron Jones may very well command too much um, value after scoring all these touchdowns because Matt LaFleur keeps giving him the ball. Uh, So I'm going to keep riding with Jones. I'll say this. I'll say Jamal Williams scores more touchdowns this year than A.J. Dillon uh, as well. Book it. that. Booking. That is an egregious take, <laughs> by my good is, sir. Is it? Is it? He, Jamal Williams, the actual head coach, not the not the GM, not the same people who drafted Jordan Love and traded up to get him, not the same people who drafted an H back in the in the third round, but the actual guy who controls the snaps gave Jamal Williams about forty percent of the snaps most week, most games last week or more. I don't think that I don't think they're on the same page in terms of who they're drafting and who they and, and, and what the coach wants in terms of playing the guys. That's why I am not gonna be swept up by the Green Bay Packers draft day <laughs> decisions and have them impact what, you know, the usage on the field.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that the head coach, uh, who when he was an offensive coordinator, uh, launched Derrick Henry, uh, is going to want no part of the guy
2: who looks exactly like <laughs> Derrick Henry. He, you know, who he launched? He launched Aaron Jones. That's who he launched, and he's going to keep launching him. He I, just Aaron- can't, I
1: can't wait for the first AJ Dylan goal line touchdown. Freeman, you better tag uh, Rayvon on Twitter. It's,
2: yeah, it's tag me in 2022. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Okay. All right. Let's let's move on. The Vikings. Former offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski is now with the Browns. So Gary Kubiak has taken over as the play caller. The team traded away wide receiver Stefan Diggs to the Bills in the offseason. And running back Dalvin Cook is threatening to hold out. So uh, some degree of uncertainty when
1: we're looking at the Vikings. Sean, give us the prop. So uh, I'm going with um, Adam Thielen receiving yards per game. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts, um, you know, how he'll fare without Diggs, how, how you expect him to be on the wrong side with 30. This year, um, he's a guy I'm not really um, getting in many drafts. I think people are maybe um, overvaluing him. It's, this isn't really an offense I'm investing in the passing game. So seeing if you guys can help sharpen my projection here. But I have him at 67 and a half receiving yards per game. Are you guys over or
2: under that? I am under. Uh, it's, it's, I have him getting a significant, like, obviously share of the targets. But um, for me, it's just that I have Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense is one of the lowest volume passing offenses in the league. And uh, that kind of impacts what the what the receivers are going to do. So yeah, I have him. I have him closer to you know the, the sixty.
0: I'm there with Raybon. Uh I have uh, for the same reasons essentially. I have him projected around sixty four. Uh, so I will. I don't think it's a, a horrible line, and I can see the upside that Adam Thielen could have uh, if he's highly efficient and uh, if he just gets a lot of the targets. But I just don't expect there to be all that many targets to go around to begin with. So I'm with Rayvon here and taking the under.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys and that's kind of scary because he's not really a touchdown guy. So he can't really supplement any, you know, uh, loss and yardage or targets with extra touchdowns. So that's why it worries me. Are are you guys just not ending up with Many shares of feeling either because I, I don't really have any so far and I've I've drafted a bunch of teams so
2: far. I was earlier in best ball, but I think he's kind of crept up in ADP to where now he's going a lot closer to where I you know thought he should initially be going. But I used to get him like as like you know the wide receiver twenty five or something like early in the process, oh. and now you can't do that anymore. Now he's like I think valued a little more fairly because he does have upside. Yeah. He started. Um, 2018, I believe it was like eight straight 100-yard games. So he's certainly capable of of going off. It's just it's hard to expect the Vikings to all of a sudden go pass-heavy when they don't really have any receivers.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you there on Rayvon. Uh, I'm I'm not getting any uh, at this point. Any Adam Thielen, Um, and I I still think he's actually a little bit overvalued uh, at at this point. But uh, yeah, so probably won't be touching him. Let's go to Detroit. The Lions, Matt Stafford, missed half of the 2019 season, but last year he was actually the number two fantasy quarterback in points per game, Uh, and he has a promising supporting cast with wide receivers Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, and then in his second year we could see tight end TJ Hawkinson develop, and of course they just drafted running
1: back DeAndre Swift. Sean, where are you with the Detroit Lions? So I'm floating a TJ Hawkinson receiving yards per game prop. Uh, I think he's fascinating to project just based on what happened last year. I mean, he's so talented. And then he opened up with a six-catch, 131-yard touchdown game. Um, And then it took him seven games to combine for 131 receiving yards after that. So it was the biggest tease I've ever seen. And, And then in hindsight, he had that huge game against the Cardinals, which every tight end did. Um, so curious to hear where you guys are um, on him entering year two. Um, I have him at 39 and receiving yards. Are you guys above or below that?
0: I'm taking the under there. Um, I have him projected for around 35, but I should say I feel really uncertain about my projection. Uh, he's just one of those upside guys who could take a massive step forward in year two uh and so you know i think he's one of the guys when you're drafting that you probably want to factor in especially because he's going later in the draft you want to factor in a little bit more of his upside and a little bit less of what you think within the median range of outcomes he's likely to do but
2: i will take the under here yeah i'm going under i have him right around uh you said you have him at 35 friedman yeah yeah, I have him at 36. So last year he had 2.7 catches for 30.6 uh, yards per game. So I'm projecting about 3.3 for 36. And I think that's a reasonable uh, jump for a, you know, a tight end going from year one to year two. I think he could in- eventually get to um, you know push for maybe the mid-40s or even 50 yards per game. But um, that may happen a little bit later. I think tight ends progression is a little bit slower than wide receiver, where you usually see them make a big, big jump. Uh, from year one to year two
1: yeah I think that's the key with him is you know we kind of expected him to be inconsistent um his rookie season so the question is I mean is he going to make a year two leap or year three leap so that's why I kind of have it a little bit higher um I agree with Friedman at that point in the draft you're drafting upside anyway so that's why he is one of those tight ends I am targeting because you can get him so late where even if he doesn't pan out I think the um the tight end player pool on the waiver wire this year is going to be probably the best we've ever seen there's just so many guys now the position itself um, is getting better and more prominent. So I think it's easier to take chances like uh, TJ Hawkinson, like we did on Austin Hooper and uh, Mark Andrews last year. It's like if they hit, they're league winners. If they don't, there's probably another league winner like a Darren Waller on the waiver wire. So he's a guy where uh, I agree with Freeman. The upside's there, but we, we don't really know for sure.
0: Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. This offseason, the team traded for quarterback Nick Foles, who has previously worked with head coach Matt Nagy, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, and quarterbacks coach John Filippo, So even though it's his first year uh, in Chicago, he knows, he knows the guys he's working for. And he knows the offensive system. Uh, and then, of course, we have Allen Robinson. We have David Montgomery entering his second season. Jimmy Graham has been added to the team. Sean, give us the prop. Uh,
1: so last year, I think we were all pretty good at being anti-David Montgomery. We didn't really buy in the hype um and you know going into this season I'm I'm conflicted because I, I think the workload is going to be there but I mean can we expect any leap in efficiency because it was pretty bad last year with the uh, 3.67 yards per uh carry um the, the depth chart's pretty uh weak there so I, I don't know how he doesn't see a big workload so I'm going to float a prop for total yards per game so rushing and receiving yards um
2: I have it set at 72 and a half yards Ooh, you got me to take it over. You got me to take it over. Nice. <laughs> I got a, I have him at 77 and a half. And mainly because of what I project to be a jump in rushing efficiency. Again, yards per carry as a stat generally stabilizes around 2000 carries. So even though a guy might go for 3.7, you're still, that's still only impacting his projection, maybe, you know, 10%, 15%, um, knocking it down. So most guys are still going to be projected close to four yards per carry. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, I don't even have him catching that many passes only, uh, about only 26 catches for, for Montgomery, but just the fact that he's going to be one of the, the top, uh, leaders in the league in terms of carries, I think, uh, that, that kind of gives him an edge and I expect him to be one of the, the highest touchdown scores on the bears, if not the highest. So yeah, it, it's not sexy, but I think he'll be a rock solid, uh, RB two this year. Cause there's no one else, as you mentioned, Sean.
0: I'm with Rayvon on uh, almost everything he said there. So I'm also taking the over, I have him at 78.5 yards per game. So super similar. Uh, I also like Rayvon, expect him to be used very much as a runner uh, to be, you know, maybe top five top eight in the league just in in overall carries uh, but also not used all that much as a receiver because uh, I expect a lot of the receiving workload in the backfield to go to Tariq Cohen Uh, the one difference I think between Raybon and I is that I'm just not expecting a lot of uh, a lot of touchdowns for Montgomery in part because I'm not expecting many touchdowns for the Bears in general Uh, so uh, even though I think he's going to hit the over here on the yardage and even though I think he's going to be used a lot as a runner, I'm just still really not all that interested in, in David Montgomery this year, which is probably a bad take. But uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm having, Sean, like you, I'm having trouble getting excited about him.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we do like volume where he's being drafted. Uh, he's one of the last like workhorse running backs you can get. Um, so he's valuable in that regard, but I agree with you guys. You know, it's it's unflattering, but maybe this year without the hype, maybe he'll actually pay off where he's being drafted. I think it's his ADP is pretty reasonable right now. Um, I agree with you guys that you know he's going to have a pretty high touchdown share in this offense, but how many touchdowns this Bears offense can uh, generate is the issue. That's kind of his ceiling right there is, uh, you know, this offense isn't going to present many touchdowns. And I don't think he can create many on his own. So he's just kind of a middling RB two, And I think we just have to accept that at this point.
2: One thing with the Bears and their offense is like, they scored 17 and a half points per game last year. Montgomery got seven touchdowns. How much lower can you, can they go than 17 and a half? Like that's <laughs> if they do any worse, it would be, Oh man, it would be problematic. Um, so just like the natural regression from, I don't really project any team to score 17 and a half points, except maybe the uh, Washington team. So I think that's where the the extra touchdowns are coming from. Like he has, I think he has a high touchdown ceiling. If they just score like 20, yeah. 23 points or 20 even he has a ceiling but i agree he also has a low floor because they could just not score much at all
0: let's go to the nfc south and let's start with the new orleans saints they have probably been the best team in the nfc over the past three years they have maybe the nfl's best quarterback running back and wide receiver trio andrew Brees, Alvin kamara and michael thomas i mean there's a lot to be enthusiastic about when you are
1: looking at the saints sean give us the player prop So we're going with Alvin Kamara, total touchdowns this year. He was pretty disappointing in that department. He only had um, six last year, despite having 13 and 18 the two years before. So we're expecting some pretty big positive regression here. Uh, The question is how much. I have his line set at 10 and a half. So this is rushing and receiving touchdowns.
0: I could have told you even before you gave the line that I was going to take the over for a couple of reasons. One, your bookmaking tendencies. I think whenever there's a guy who has had a lot of touchdowns and then one year where he sees a really significant dip, that's a guy that you like to come back to when setting props for the two of us, so one, I knew you were just going to kind of take that guy, and be like, ah, oh, he didn't score many touchdowns last year, uh, so I knew I'd be taking the over there. But then also, just uh, I'm expecting so much from this Saints offense, and I do think that uh, based on what Kamara did and the efficiency that he had in his first two seasons, we're going to see a pretty big uh, bounce back in touchdown scoring for Kamara. So I don't want to say how high uh, I'm projecting him in in touchdowns because it's embarrassing, but uh, whatever number you had set because you're a reasonable person, I knew I'd be taking the over on
1: it. Let's hear it. Does it start with 12? Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes. Yes. I mean, I could, I could get behind that. I mean, he, he definitely has the potential. So you're not—I don't think you're crazy.
2: I have him. I have him, I'm going over again. Uh, so you got me to go over again, but uh, now you have both of us on kind of the same side here. Uh, I have him for 11.8. So I'm actually close with uh, with you, Friedman. I'm about a touchdown over, Sean. I think um, when I project touchdowns, I kind of look at a couple of things. Number one is you know the player's touchdown rates um, previously, but also factoring into that is. Um, how good the the quarterback is uh, how good the offense is and um, with Drew Brees I think there's just a lot of avenues for Kamara to, to reach a very high total um, one is Drew Brees and the offense keeps humming in which case um, Kamara has uh, what is it 10 receiving touchdowns um, you know in his career in only three seasons so that's that's very good and, and 37 total in 45 in 45 games so he's scoring about 75 percent of the time um, I think I think uh, you know 11 for a guy who plays about probably going to play about 14 or 15 games. Um, I think it's going to be 11 or more if he stays healthy.
1: Yeah, you guys are on to me. That's, that's unfortunate. I, I, I do like the over here as well. Um, and I, I did a piece on um, rush attempts inside the five yard line uh, for all teams and trying to project that up on actionnetwork.com right now. Um, and you know, the saints are interesting because in 2018 they by far led the league with 40 rush attempts inside the five-yard line. I mean, that was um, seven attempts more than even second place. And then last year, they had the six fewest with 15. Um, I mean, we would expect the offense this potent to be closer to the top five. So I'm projecting them just inside the top five for attempts this year. Um, And I have Kamara getting 60% of those. Um, You know, he has to deal with Breeze sneaking in from the one, Taysom Hell bullshit packages, and even Latavius Murray, but they still do like giving um Kamara those carries. so I have him with 60 percent of the goal line touches and he's capable of scoring from anywhere on the field so yeah I do like the over 10 and a half here as well let's
0: talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who might be the most exciting team uh in in the league or at least the NFC this year uh at least from a, a preseason perspective of thinking about what this team might do for the first time since 2000, Tom Brady is no longer a Patriot. He and longtime tight end Rob Gronkowski signed with the Bucks this offseason, joining forces with wide receivers Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, and, of course, Ronald Jones running back. Uh, Sean, give us the
1: player prop here. So we're, we're going with a prop that I think is going to dictate the fancy value of um, everybody on this offense, uh, but it's Tom Brady's uh, passing touchdowns I still haven't decided which number I want to give because there's two numbers. I haven't figured out which one. Um, But I'm going to set the line at 30 and a half and see where where you guys are on the over under here. That is a great line.
0: Were you debating between 29 and a half and 30 and a half?
1: Yeah, that's
0: that's what I was thinking because I have this at 30. So I will take take the under on 30 and a half, but that's a great line.
1: I'll give you 30 exactly for 10
0: to one odds. Uh, no, thank you. But uh, that is a a great line that uh, that you've set there.
2: Yeah, Sean, that is that's a great line because I know you were debating between twenty nine and thirty because you were thinking Friedman's projection was probably a little higher than mine, and Friedman said he had thirty, and I have exactly twenty nine, and so I'm. Oh. Further, but Your uh, your prediction accuracy is uh, in midseason form,
1: form nice it, well my projection is 29 and a half let's let's just put that out there so it's right down the middle of you too it, it sounds like we're right in a line yeah um but i i mean what what is there to say about this it's it's interesting from the perspective of none of us have ever had to project tom brady on any other team um so it, it's just fascinating and and like i said you know when it comes to mike evans chris godwin and gronkowski you know how many touchdowns are you projecting to go around this offense so I think that this is a projection that really does dictate the fancy value of uh, of everybody on this offense
0: yeah it's it's really hard, and I'd like to get Raymond's thoughts on this we We talked about it on the uh, on the serious Axiom show um, It's a situation where I think we actually see potentially Mike Evans and Chris Godwin take a step back in fantasy scoring, not because they aren't awesome players. And, you know, I think they can still produce in the yardage department. It's just, you know, Rob Gronkowski is going to get his share of the touchdowns and there will be fewer touchdowns and also just fewer yards, fewer passing yards in general to go around in this offense. Uh, And so I think it's possible we see Evans and Godwin take a a step back, but uh, Raybon, where are you on this?
2: Yeah, I think that that's certainly possible in terms of the bottom line numbers, but from a target share perspective, which is, you know, one of the biggest things that's going to go into projections, I think that they still uh, are near the top of the league. I think they still are both going to push for, um, you know, a quarter of the team's targets each. And so overall, it doesn't really hurt my fantasy rankings for them. I still expect them to be um, you know, in the in the top eight. It's just that I don't expect the, the kind of big numbers and explosive numbers uh, as often as we did last year when, uh, and I said this on a serious show, Jameis Winston was playing shootout ball with himself. Like he would throw a touchdown to the other team, throw a touchdown to his own team to catch up, throw another pick to the other team, have to get his team back in the game. You know, it was just kind of, he was playing with himself and that led to big numbers for the receivers. I mean, Rashad Perriman, the most egregious thing about the, this whole thing with Jameis Winston is that Rashad Perriman got paid off Mike Evans and and uh, and Godwin getting injured at the end of the season. Rashad Perman had like uh, eleven catches in in his other you know nine games or whatever it was. So it's really the Jameis Winston effect um, that that's going to kind of knock Evans and Godwin down a bit.
1: I, I agree with everything raybon said. I do anticipate this offense looking different just because they're going to be leading more. Um, you know, less turnovers more ball control, their defense is definitely um, improving, especially at the end of last year, their defense improved a ton. So it, it could just be a different football team where they're, they're more efficient, they don't need to keep throwing. So I, I think this offense will be more, you know, efficient in the first half, let's say, but then the second half, you know, they're not going to have to be slinging around as much as we saw Jameis. But, you know, I think they'll still put up good numbers. It just might not be as high as people think. Sean, uh,
0: unofficial prop question here can you give me the projection or set a number for ronald jones uh total touchdowns
1: Ooh, uh, that's a good one uh, i have i would set the line for oh so rushing and receiving combined
0: yeah i mean i don't think we're going to um, give him much on the receiving end anyway but
1: might as well just kind of combine it i would set it i would set it at seven and a half i do like him this year so uh, i hope that sounds high uh but where do you guys sit on that seven that, and a half
0: that's actually pretty close to what I have. I'm around eight. So I, I would yeah. lean over there, but I, I think that's a, a good line. I think people would look at that and think that it's high, but I, I think it's realistic.
1: Yeah, they uh they gave Peyton Barber, I think it was 11, um, carries inside the five-yard line, and he scored on four of them, whereas Ronald Jones was four for four on those rush attempts. So, I mean, he's proven that he can be a goal line back, um, and I think that's the key here is if, if he gets a goal line carries, especially – with the Tom Brady-led offense. I mean, there's potential for double-digit rushing touchdowns. I don't think it'll hit it, but there's potential for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm at 7.7, so we're all in line. nice. nice. That's, right, for
1: that's, that's for total? That's for total?
2: Yep, that's for total. Okay. And uh, it really uh, goes back to like what you said. Like, they're going to be more efficient, so Brady coming over, I think, has a positive impact on the, on the running backs as well.
0: Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons this offseason. Uh, they basically replaced running back Devontae Freeman and tied in Austin Hooper with running back Todd Gurley and tied in Hayden Hurst. And then, of course, we still have that trio there, quarterback Matt Ryan and wide receivers Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Sean, give us the prop.
1: So this is a Todd Gurley prop. Uh, this is total touchdowns as well, um, just because I think at this stage in his career, um, he, he's going to kind of rely on touchdowns um, for fancy value, so I think it's critical to get this projection right. Um, I have him at ten and a half till touchdowns
2: under. <laughs> under. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> I, I,
0: I appreciate I appreciate that number, uh, and I see how you get there, but I'm smashing the under Uh-oh. on that. Um, I, I do think this is going to be an offense, uh, you know, like, like we saw in previous years, that was uh, pretty prolific and had the opportunity of giving, uh, running backs a good number of touchdowns. But, uh, I just think that at some point we see, uh, Todd Gurley decline and, uh, the team just figures, we're not going to use this guy as just a ceremonial goal lineback. Uh, he's just pretty much not going to be playing that much.
2: Yeah, if you look at the Falcons' backfield last year, a lot of people say, okay, well, Todd Gurley's just going to inherit the Devontae Freeman role, and I think I don't think that's exactly true because I think um, Gurley's a much better pass blocker than Freeman, so they'll be used a little differently in, in the pass game. But the Falcons' backfield overall only had a nine rushing touchdowns combined last year, and this is one of the teams where, again, I, I usually never expect coaches to give young guys um, carries by the goal line but they had they actually did give uh quadri allison a bunch of goal line carries even when they had the other starters active um and allison really doesn't profile as a guy that would do anything else um so if he's active that could actually be an issue but even so even if Gurley gets like all of or nearly all of the rushing touchdowns they only scored nine last year in in cutter's first year dirt cutter's first year back as the oc so um, I, I, I that combined with the fact that I think Gurley's at a big kind of like downside risk of finally missing a mm-hmm. substantial chunk of games. Um, uh, I'm going. I'm going way under there. I do like the under ten and a half.
1: Rayvon, uh, this offense is you know just as potent as the Rams, but you know the Rams have been in the top five the past two seasons in rush attempts inside the five, and the Falcons have been in the bottom five. So I think it just goes to say, like you said, dirt cutter uh, maybe prefers to pass in those situations. Either way. Um, it's going to sap Gurley's value if he can't hit double-digit touchdowns because I don't think the yards are going to be there. They're going to have to limit him to keep him healthy. And like you said, um, keeping him healthy is the biggest question mark. So, yeah, I I do like the under (laughs) 10.5 for sure, but um, I'd probably even lean the under 9.5 as well. I would lean –
0: I would still lean under 9.5. Yeah. Let's talk about the Panthers. Head coach Ron Rivera, offensive coordinators Norah Turner and Scott Turner and quarterback Cam Newton have been replaced – by Baylor head coach Matt Rule, LSU offensive coordinator Joe Brady, and Saints backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. So a lot of change uh, at the top and then also the quarterback position, but we still have some of those same guys there. We have the wide receivers and Curtis Samuel and, of course, DJ Moore, and then running back Christian McCaffrey, the number one fantasy player at his position last
1: year. Sean, give us the prop. So, yeah, the the most critical projection to get right for this whole offense, I think, is Teddy Bridgewater passing yards per game. Um, The the question is really they have all these great pass catchers. How many of them can we really trust on a week to week basis? And I think it all stems from um, how many yards we can expect Bridgewater to throw per game. Um, Right now, I have them at 254.5. I
0: will take the under. I have 248 ish. I think there's significant room for upside with this offense like actually underappreciated room because of Joe Brady because of rule and because of the talent that they have assembled on that team um, but uh, I'm still going to lean a little bit on the under there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is just not a, a prolific type of passer so uh, taking the under.
2: Yeah I have them uh, right around 240 so going under as well. I think there's kind of Uh, Still some questions about fit in terms of the guys outside of McCaffrey and more because Robbie Anderson is more of a deep ball down the field guy. Teddy Bridgewater has never been a quarterback that's gone down the field. And I think another argument just in general with kind of going under Bridgewater's passing numbers is even though he can be very efficient um, and kind of really raise the market for himself over these last couple of years, um, he's still a guy who averages only about six to six and a half in terms of his average depth of target down the field. And so he could be a highly efficient quarterback, um, but he would need a extremely high volume passing offense to, to, to put a big number just because he's kind of, you know, dinking and dunking.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, when Freebound mentioned, they, they have a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and even new defensive coordinator and a new quarterback. They're the only team that has a new, all of those four um, positions heading into the year. And I think especially this season with no off season continuity is going to be, even more crucial. So they could really uh, struggle out of the gate. Um, But, you know, I think for Bridgewater to go over this, he's going to need his, the pass catchers to do a lot after the catch, which they have shown they can do. Um, But I agree. I think Robbie Anderson is going to be the odd man out on this. I would hope they throw it to him every so often just to keep the defense honest, um, to really open up, you know, McCaffrey more, and even Curtis Samuel and Ian Thomas. But, um, yeah, if you guys are lower on that, that that worries me for some of these other guys, um, like a Curtis Samuel, like an Ian Thomas, where I don't think you guys think there's there's many yards to to really give them chance value week to week. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not high on
2: Thomas at all. Um, yeah. Like I, I think that just looking at his per route numbers, they ha- they haven't been good, and Samuel as well. Samuel's been very inefficient and just he hasn't really gotten it done down the field, so if even if they transition him to more like a dd westbrook type you know short receiver like we saw with westbrook last year when his dot dipped like under seven even if he catches like four balls a game there's just not much fantasy value there because we also i'm guessing don't really expect bridgewater to throw a ton of touchdowns and if he does yeah. we probably expect them many of them to go to McCaffrey, which unlike most teams McCaffrey takes such a large share of the receiving workload that it's it also makes it hard for like your your you know your second third wide receivers your, your other tight end your tight end to put up um, good numbers because you have the running back taking such a substantial portion that that usually wouldn't be the case
1: yeah we saw last year when Bridgewater started for the Saints all he did was dump it off to Kamara and Michael Thomas so uh, he has proven that he can just lock in on guys like that so yeah DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are probably pretty safe in this offense
0: All right, let's close it out here with the NFC West and let's start with the 49ers who were seemingly one throw away from winning the Super Bowl last year. It looks like most of their key offensive players will be back. Jimmy Garoppolo is entering his second full season as the starting quarterback and the team drafted
1: wide receiver Brandon Ayuk in round one. Sean, give us the prop. So this is the prop that I think is holding George Kittle back from being my number one tight end, and it's his uh, receiving touchdowns. Curious to hear where you guys weigh in on this, but I have his over-under set at six and a half. And, you know, his career high is five. He's had five the past two seasons. So if he can see any sort of positive regression here, I think he has potential to knock off Kelsey's as the top tight end. But curious to hear if you guys are over or under six and a half. I am under... Six and a half. I have him closer to five and a half.
0: Uh, actually, a little bit closer to six, but still under. So close, but under. Uh, that said, I still actually have him as the number one tight end in my projections uh, because I, I still expect him to uh, to have a really healthy number of yards and receptions.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go under. But um, I th- yeah, I think around right around between five and a half and six um, is where he'll end up. Um, now we have seen him for about... Three seasons, he has run a substantial number uh, of routes at this point. So, you know, starting to look at his touchdown rate is going to be a little bit more predictive. And we also don't expect the 49ers to be a pass heavy team, which I think if Kittle were were on most other teams, um, you you would probably project him closer to to seven, seven and a half. But this team is uh, usually going to be uh, run heavy. And I think that might be even more so with all the young guys at receiver and Debo Samuel going down uh, potentially for the beginning of the season.
1: I don't think he has double-digit touchdown p- potential, especially in this offense, but, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Debo might not be 100%. It's just odd to me that he he wouldn't really be a 6-8 to eight touchdown kind of guy, so I think that's where he can kind of surprise people this year. Um, so I, I, I'm holding out hope that he will see a, a positive regression uh, season in touchdowns um, and maybe hit 7 or 8, but I agree with you guys. I think he is limited somewhat with this offense, and just the 49ers – or just a really good ball control kind of team that they don't need to score that much. But I could see him definitely popping off for seven or eight this year. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Uh, and, you know, the story with them is always Russell Wilson, how great he is. Uh, it feels year in and year out, especially with offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, that uh, Russell Wilson's full potential has never really been unlocked in this offense. Uh, and so one of the big questions is, you know, how many, uh, how many passing attempts are we going to see out of Russell Wilson? Is he really going to be the guy who leads this offense instead of a guy who hands it off to uh, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde and Rashad Penny? Another big question, do we see D.K. Metcalf take a big step forward in his second season? Sean, give us the prop.
1: Yep, you're spot on. I, I'm going with Russell Wilson passing yards per game. Um, that's always uh, the biggest question going into the season. Um, we're, we're kind of curious if Pete Carroll's going to get with the times and unleash Russell Wilson. I mean – If there was potential for Wilson to throw 600 times or more this year, um, which let's face it, the legion of boom is over. This defense is mediocre at best. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. They should absolutely be throwing more. And I think they'll find um, if they throw early and often in games, they probably won't have to come back as much. So the the question is really, um, you know, what can we expect from Wilson this year? Um, And I have his um, passing yards per game set at 255 and a half, but clearly there's upside for more. I'm going to be a little blasphemous here and take the under.
0: I, I have it significantly under. I have it closer to 240, which I, I know is kind of egregious, but uh, I'm just still expecting that the Seahawks will be a pretty run-focused team. And I still think even with that, Russell Wilson, because he's so efficient at turning his – his. Uh, his attempts into touchdowns and he's also one of the better runners in the league. I still expect him to finish as a, a top six fantasy quarterback, but I just don't think he's going to do a lot of it uh, through the air with his yardage.
2: Yeah. I have him at two forty six, Um And that is still, I still have him being very efficient, but I think the, the, the thing with Wilson really two things. Um, number one, they, they want to be a run heavy team and number two. So like, if you look at his median over the last five years or so, it's around 200, it's around that number, but the last two years um, he had about two fifty-seven last year, but just two fifteen the year before. And those two years are with Brian Schottenheimer. And I think, um, you know, that's kind of the range of outcomes where if they can run the ball as much as possible, uh, they still will. If they have to throw it, um, that's when they'll, you'll, you'll see it kind of go a little higher, but overall, I think the range of outcomes tilts more, um downward than, than a median of two fifty five. Schottenheimer in his career as an offensive coordinator uh, is in the thirty-third percentile in terms of pass attempts. Um and he hasn't had a finish higher than uh seventeen uh thirteenth. So he's only had one in eleven years where he's been higher than the league average um in pass attempts the last four years as an OC uh 28th, 23rd, 32nd, 23rd, 23rd in pass attempt. So, don't know if it's going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> <or
1: impasse>. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I'm cauti- cautiously optimistic that they'll figure it out. But we've seen, you know, that's basically his floor right now is stuck in this um, prehistoric sort of offense. But, you know, I compared it to, um, you know, reading those reports of like minor earthquakes near Yellowstone Park um, <laughs> where a- any hint. Anything floated out there in the universe that Pete Carroll might throw more this year, just we have to be uh, prepared for. And we just know the potential of Russell Wilson if they were to unleash him. So I'm always monitoring it. And especially, you know, if they sign a guy like Antonio Brown, that might be a, a hint that they're going to let him throw more. So it's one of those things where I, I'm expecting them. Just run, run it a ton this year, and he'll be a you know, QB6 like we've seen. But there's potential for you know, QB1 overall upside here. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys, though, that it's probably not going to happen. Let's get to the Los
0: Angeles Rams. Running back Todd Gurley and wide receiver Brandon Cooks are gone. Seemingly, they've been replaced by running back Cam Akers and wide receiver Van Jefferson, the team's top draft picks from this last draft. Sean, give us the prop
1: it's got to be Tyler Higbee for the prop if he's able to pick up where he left off last year he's absolutely a top five tight end the, the question is will he and I think that the main question is how much will Gerald Everett sort of factor in this year and you know lower his his yardage per game right now I have Higbee's uh, receiving yards per game I have the line set at 47 and a half are you guys above or below that
2: that's a good wine. Uh, I am just below at forty five, so I'm about catching about four for forty five uh, on a per game basis. Um, I do think that he will continue to play that role. I don't think Gerald Everett will be much of a factor because Everett even came back near the end of last year. People forget that; like he was actually back and active um, for a game or two, and still didn't really play um, with H- when once Higby started going off. I think the one thing with Higby is to be careful about as you mentioned earlier, Sean, overrating the games against the, the Cardinals, um, because, you know, he did have a, a big game in there against the Cardinals and, uh, that will always prop up the numbers. But overall, I think if you look at what McVay is doing, their offensive line, isn't very good. They didn't really address it in the draft. Instead, they added more skill players. I think he's trying to transition to more of a intermediate t- short to intermediate targets, um, in the offense that Goff can just get rid of the ball quick. Brandon cooks didn't really fit that. And, um, I think that's why you saw Cooks have a really down season, even when he was healthy, and and they kind of transitioned more to to Higby. So I do think the role continues. Just those outrageous numbers can't possibly uh, keep up. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, he averaged over his last five games of the season 104.4 yards uh, per game. So that's uh, that's what I'm going to project him for this upcoming season, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the over. Uh, no, I I am taking the over, but uh, I think Sean, your line is is good, and you're you're splitting the action there uh, between Rayvon and me. And uh, I have him at 53 ish yards, and I you know I still think he's going to be, I would say, the third most targeted guy in that offense uh, you know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are clearly going to be the, the two dominant guys but I think after that Higby plays ahead of Everett uh, I think he beats out any of the the running backs for targets uh, I think at this point he's the third option uh, and so I, I do like him to hit the over there
1: yeah I mean there, there was a point last year um, I think the books were offering a player prop something ridiculous like sixty two and a half. I hammered the under and he had that by halftime I mean It was just insane what he did last year, and we can't take that away from him. But I think just going into this year, I don't think that's sustainable. Like you said, I think they're going to spread it around a bit more. Um, I have him as the third highest targets on the offense. But just, I mean, it's going to be uh, impossible for him to uh, sustain what we saw at the end of last year.
0: Okay, the final team here, the Arizona Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and quarterback Kyler Murray are entering their second year in the league. And then the the big piece of news here, all-Pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was added in an
1: off-season trade. Sean, give us the prop. It is a DeAndre Hopkins prop. I'm ending my fellow uh, Kyler Murray truthers to help me out here. <laughs> this is a tricky one. I'm not going to lie. I have his receiving yards per game at 74 and a half. That's a great line. I will take the over,
0: but just barely. I have it at 75 and a half. Wow.
2: I have it at 73. So good, <laughs> oh, good, good, good line. Uh, and again, I think, I think just, you know, kind of listening to us go through these projections, I'm a little more conservative in the, probably the yards per catch, I guess it is. Um, Hopkins has, he started to be, he's a, he's great at getting open um, but because he gets open so much and quarterback will throw to him even when he's not fully open. Uh, I think his yards per catch starts to suffer sometimes. So um, you know, he was down to around 11 yards per catch last year. I haven't projected for a little over 12 this year, so some positive regression, but um, there is some uncertainty. There is there is the, situ- the chance that, um, you know, this offense is not much different from last year in terms of the overall volume. We do, I think we both all expect a, a little step up in the tempo and the pass attempts, but um, they weren't an extremely high volume offense in any aspect last year. They were kind of league average, so. Um, just all the uncertainty I'm going with the, right, right there, around 73. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I'd probably bet the under on this as well. Just, they just run a ton of four wide receiver formations. They do like to spread it out. So I'm, I'm curious to see a guy like Hopkins, how much of this target share he can dominate. But yeah, I, I'm a little bit skeptical when it comes to Hopkins, especially drafting him as a top five wide receiver. I'm, I'm pretty much passing on him, um, especially with the, the lack of offseason. He's not going to have really much time to build that chemistry with Kyler Murray. So I think he could open up things for a guy like Christian Kirk, who's entering year three, which is typically a good breakout season for wide receivers. So I think over he's going to make the offense itself better, but I'm not sure it's going to come in, in via yards um, per game. So, yeah, I, I think we're all right there. Around 74 and a half um, yards per game sounds right to me. All right,
0: that is the preview for our NFC player projections, which you will soon be able to access in our customizable fantasy football cheat sheet at the Action Network next NFL episode. We're going to start our position by position deep dive Previewing the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks by average draft position. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show. And remember, you can listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode.
2: finished talking.